San Francisco, California, there is a band made up almost entirely of robots. They're called Captured by Robots. There's an exclamation point after the captured. And their one human member, J-Bot, claims that he was captured by the robots, though in truth, he made the robots that play with him on stage. I think a band made of robots sounds pretty cool, but that's just me. Let's ask the horns what they think. Welcome to Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I'm your host, Kirk Hamilton, and as always, I'm so glad that you've joined me to talk about music made by robots and music made by humans and music made by robots and humans working together. We've got a really strong song to get into on this episode that actually features some interesting robot backstory. So find your favorite listening spot, turn up the volume, and enjoy the show. couple of notes before we get started. First of all, the Strong Songs theme song continues to evolve. I hope you like its latest incarnation, though it will probably change a little bit more. One of the nice things about having a podcast that you uh, put out every other week is that if you make the music for it, you can kind of tweak it a little bit each time. It is much closer to its final form now, though. I brought in a friend of mine named BJ Cord, who's a wonderful trumpet player, and he laid down trumpet parts for this, uh, for the recording, and that adds a whole lot to it. I was actually using sampled trumpets. I know, I know, but I was using sampled trumpets it's on the version that you heard on the Elton John episode that preceded this one. So it is very, very nice to have real trumpet in there. And that does mean that all of the instruments that you're hearing, aside from the Rhodes and the organ, are not sampled and are real instruments. They were all, of course, performed by me, the bass, drums, guitar, keyboards, and the horns. On the bridge, you heard that was me on tenor saxophone and flute and BJ on trumpet. So we all had a little conversation there. Uh, it got a little bit heated, but I think we worked it out by the end. You can find a full version of the Strong Songs theme song over on my SoundCloud. I bounced up. You know, this is a pretty much a final mix now that we've got all the real instruments in. So if you want to hear the whole thing without me talking about it, you can find that over at SoundCloud.com slash Kirk Hamilton. Also put a link for that in the show notes. I've also got a cool little musical surprise that will be at the end of the episode that I'm not going to say any more about right now. So if you want to check that out, be sure to listen all the way to the end of the episode. Thanks so much, as always, to the Strong Songs Patreon backers. You can find my whole and half note backer names in the show notes. And if you would like to know more about how to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash strong songs. Thanks to all of you who have been spreading the word and telling your friends. I just am continually hearing from people who heard about the show from a friend. So to the friends who I am hearing about from your friends to whom you referred the show, uh, thank you. <laughs> the friends are the... I think I got that right. Anyway, you're the reason that the show is growing, uh, which is super exciting. You know, I don't have a big ad budget. I don't, I'm not part of a podcast network. It's just me in my home studio recording this thing. And we've been growing and lots of new people have been finding the show. And that's all thanks to all of you telling your friends about the show. I have a newsletter that you can sign up for. The next one is going to go out shortly after this episode, so there's still time to sign up. You can sign up at tinyletter.com slash Kirk Hamilton, and there is, of course, a link to that in the show notes. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Preamble's out of the way. Let's get into this episode's strong song. And it is a strong one from one of my favorite current artists. It's a song that's kind of about the way things are. And you know, when things are bad or when things are good, no matter how things are, it gives you some advice for what you gotta do. Cause baby, whether you That 
That's right, on this episode we're going to be talking about the one and only Janelle Monae and her 2010 single Tightrope, a song steeped in the soul tradition that grooves so hard you can't help but dance to it every time you hear it. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about Janelle Monae on this episode. As I said, she is one of my very favorite current artists. Um, I've seen her live once in San Francisco, and it was a killer show. She had an incredible band, just tight horns, great backup singers, killing rhythm section. The whole thing was really good. She's just such a great performer. I mean, she takes the whole thing so seriously, and it's just so much fun. If you ever get a chance to see Janelle Monae live, I cannot recommend it enough. She actually does something that a lot of the best performers do that I think is very cool, and that's that she kind of highlights the individual members of her band. She finds a way to really bring them to center stage. Um, the beginning of her set actually had her backup singers out singing lead on their own songs before she came on stage, which was cool because it built anticipation for the moment that Janelle came on stage. But also her backup singers are amazing singers and it gave them a moment to really show that off, which just enhanced the whole performance. I love it whenever a band leader does that. And uh, yeah, it made me respect her even more. So Janelle Monet doesn't really need any introduction. She's a pretty big deal. You probably know who she is. Um, this song, Tightrope, is the first song that that really knocked me out by her. It's off of her 2010 album, The Arch Android, which was the first album of hers that I ever listened to. I still remember it was around 2010, not that long after it came out. My cousin Mark actually texted me, I think, and said, hey, you've got to check out this singer, Janelle Monet. She's super, super good. He just heard her on the radio or something and um, told me to check her out kind of on a whim. I just went and downloaded the album and started listening to it and immediately was sort of transported into this other world, which is something she's uh, very good at. So just a little bit of backstory here, though I'm not going to get into it too much on this episode. The Arch Android is involved in a sort of a Metropolis series of albums that have this kind of overarching fiction that Janelle Monae crafted during her first few albums. She has an alter ego named Cindy Mayweather, who is an android in this dystopian future, who winds up organizing an uprising. She's kind of a messenger and a star and all kinds of different things. And her story plays out over the course of Janelle Monet's first several albums. It's cool. It's in the background. It's open to interpretation. There's actually a neat io9 article that kind of breaks down a whole lot of it that I will link to in the show notes that you can check out. But anyways, that's definitely there. And it's not in the forefront on Tightrope, but it is in the background. As a result, it's not going to be the the main focus of this episode, but it's just something there, something to pay attention for, and something to look into more if you get into Janelle Monet. So just some vital stats up front. Tightrope was written by Janelle Monet, Nathaniel Irvin III, Charles Joseph II, and Antoine Big Boy Patton. It was released on her 2010 album, The Arch Android. It was the second single off of that album. And yeah, as I said, that's an amazing album and you should listen to the whole thing. So I want to do a quick outline of the song before we get into it, because while Tightrope has a lot of repeating elements throughout it, it kind of just has one chord progression that it centers around, and that chord progression just you know, repeats over and over again. The song actually layers into itself and becomes denser and then more sparse and then it changes its instrumentation and its arrangement um, in some really cool ways that are uh, fun to chart out if you kind of have a sense of the framework of the song first. So the song starts with just the intro that establishes the groove, which we'll break down after this outline, um, Killer Groove, um, begins just with the intro, groove is kind of happening and it establishes Janelle's presence in the track where you're a little bit from Big Boy and then she does her first verse. Some people talk about you like they know all about you when you get down they doubt you and when you dip it so that establishes some basic elements, establishes the groove, establishes the bass line, establishes Janelle. Then she goes into the first chorus, which is a really kind of simple version of the chorus. So 
that chorus introduces some new instruments as well. And then we move on to the second verse, which uh, is kind of just more involved lyrically from Janelle and more involved in the arrangement. More instruments are in at this point. It's much more elaborate. So the arrangement has gotten pretty spicy at this point. And then we get the second chorus, which is even more involved. After that comes Big Boy's verse, he gets to chime in with a mostly PG-13 rated rap. I will omit the curse words to keep this show totally family friendly, but it's not like there's a ton of cursing in it or anything like that. But um, that's when Big Boy comes in and does some pretty, pretty rhythmically cool stuff uh, with his verse. Man, he's really good. Um, so after Big Boy, Janelle takes the final, uh, takes a final verse that is kind of her most ferocious verse and really, really good stuff. So that was the third verse, and then we get the third chorus, which again is different from the first two choruses, though, you know, it's the same general lyrics, same general progression, but a very different vibe because it's kind of a breakdown. And after that comes the outro, we get a kind of a really cool horn section. We all know how much I love a good horn soli, and uh, there's a really neat horn soli in this song that Janelle calls out. She definitely is channeling James Brown here. This is kind of paying some some homage to some of her soul roots. Uh, so we get this cool James Brown horn, horn section that's kind of a duet between Janelle and the horns. And uh, after that comes the last part of the song, which is just this cool vamp that features the ukulele pretty heavily, which the ukulele is in this track at a few different places. But um, there's this really nice little ukulele part going along with everything else. And there's a lot of neat stuff happening here that we'll get into. But this is the sort of final section of the song, which is this vamping, looping, kind of building, layering outro. And that's the general outline of the song. So I think it's helpful to think of it that way before we get into each part, because as you probably noticed, even listening to those examples, there's a lot of similarities. There's always that bass line coming, like flitting in and flitting out. Sometimes it just goes down to the drums. Um, there's always that groove in the background, though sometimes the groove changes or they drop one drum out or the tambourine drops out. They do a lot of clever, like, introduction and um, removal of different parts and different voices to add a, a lot of variety and to create this really lively sounding mix. You know, listening to the song on headphones is, is very, very fun. Hopefully you're listening to this episode on headphones, um, I guess, or with the volume turned up on your stereo. So you can really hear all the little parts and the bits and bobs that they cut and remove and then add back in. So that's it. Uh, there's an opening verse. There's the first chorus. There's the second verse, which is a little bit more involved. There's the second chorus, which is much bigger. Um, strings or horns kind of come in by then. Uh, then there's Big Boy's verse, which is a kind of a cool change of pace. There's Janelle's final verse, which is her most ferocious and has a whole lot of cool stuff going on behind it. There's the final chorus, which is a breakdown that features the strings. Then there's this sort of horn solely uh, shout section where she does a lot of call and response with the backup singers and with the horns. And then there's this cool outro vamp where the ukulele becomes very prominent in the mix and um, they kind of change it up again, all while keeping the same chord progression and the same basic, you know, skeleton of the song intact. 
So let's start with that skeleton, and really let's start with the groove, which is the foundation of this whole song. I want to kind of break down the groove because it's cool and kind of different than a lot of grooves that you'll hear on this kind of song. Uh, and the main reason for that is that it does not actually feature a drum set. It's built out of percussion instruments, but it's not built out of the typical, you know, snare drum, kick drum sound that you would be maybe used to hearing on this kind of a sort of funky boogaloo groove. So that difference establishes itself right at the very beginning. It's actually the very first sound of the tune. Uh, so let's listen to the first couple of bars and then break down that beat. Monet left foot. So that very first thing you hear is kind of like two drumsticks thwacking up against the side of a wooden drum and that stands in for the snare drum where normally you would get a kind of a snare hit um, instead you get this like plop kind of a sound. So let's talk about grooves and beats a little bit because tightrope is actually kind of a good case study in what makes a groove and the sort of at least three fundamental elements or ingredients that go into a groove. So I didn't study drums in school. I was a saxophone major. I played saxophone. So um, there's probably established language for this. I'm going to use my own terminology that I'm making up right here. Um, but I think that each groove has uh, each of these three elements. There's a thump, a pop, and a sizzle. So for example, all right, here's like a really basic drum beat, just a sort of a rock beat. So in that beat, the thump is the kick drum, the pop is the snare drum, and the sizzle is the hi-hat. So basically the thump is the lower sound. It's more downbeat oriented. It kind of gives you an anchor point. The pop is an accent based off of the thump. I would say that the pop sort of accents the thump. In this, in this case, the snare is on two and four. The thump is more on one. Boom, cop, boom, cop. So that's like thump, pop, thump, pop. The pop kind of bounces off. And then the sizzle is the hi-hat in this case. The sizzle is the thing that kind of ties them all together and is a more steady subdivision. Tat, tat, tat on the hi-hat. So when you put them all together, you get the thump on the bottom, the pop kind of jumping off of the thump, and the sizzle sort of in there tying everything together. Now again, this is just my terminology that I'm kind of making up right here. There may be a sort of a better way to think of this, but I think it's kind of helpful to think of all grooves as at least having those three elements. Because most every groove that you'll hear has some element of thump, some element of pop, and some element of sizzle. Okay, actually, let's look back at a couple of the grooves that I've built on past episodes. If you haven't heard these episodes, that's fine. Um, though you should go listen to those episodes because they're still fun. But um, let's listen to a couple of the grooves that I made just by knocking and clapping and snapping and bumping on my desk. Uh, let's Let's start with the groove from Beyonce's Single Ladies. Okay, so for that groove, I was thumping on the desk by kind of knocking it for the thump, I was clapping for the pop, and then I was snapping in between, and that was the sizzle. There's also the whistling, which is the weird sound, but you'll have to listen to that episode to um, know what that's all about. Actually, if you like this episode, you should listen to the single ladies episode. Um, in general, there are a lot of similarities between tightrope and single ladies, not least of which being uh, an unusual kind of a groove. Um, okay, so let's do another one. This is uh, from the Thriller episode. Here's another desk groove uh, from Thriller. Okay, so in that case, the thump on the desk is still the thump. The pop is kind of a mixture of clapping and snapping. And I'm kind of making the sizzle with my with my mouth. Actually, I'm going like and kind of making a hi-hat-like sound. So that's providing the sizzle. So, okay, that's the gist. You know, and obviously there are grooves that don't have a thump, though that's kind of unusual. There are grooves that don't have a pop. That's also unusual. There are definitely grooves that have a thump and a pop and no sizzle. You know, that's just a, a very much more sparse groove if you want to have a more feeling of space. 
But generally speaking, a lot of grooves that you're going to hear are going to have some aspect of thump, some aspect of pop, and some aspect of sizzle kind of tying it all together. And on a drum set, that is typically the thump is the kick drum, the pop is the snare drum, and the sizzle is a cymbal, usually either a hi-hat or a ride cymbal. You're over there doing something with your right hand that's keeping a more steady subdivision and sizzling it out and filling in the groove. Okay, so let's get back to Janelle Monae's tightrope and listen to that beginning section again. And this time, think about the thump, the pop, and the sizzle and try to hear what sounds or what instruments um, are filling in for each of those roles. Alright, so I've actually gone ahead and recreated this groove in Logic using some sampled instruments and some real instruments so that we can really kind of isolate the parts and pull them apart. But here is the groove that's happening uh, under tightrope. So first we've got the thump, which is kind of an interesting thing. It's a combination of what sounds like a, a bass drum being hit with a mallet. And also what you can't hear there, but you can hear later in the track, is it sounds like there's like an 808 or some kind of a, an electronic drum machine doing a really low bass hit as well. And so those two are running together and they're making this rhythm. Okay, so that's the thump. Now we've got the pop. The pop is that, like I mentioned before, that clacking sound that sounds like sticks. Actually, because they played that at the very beginning of the track, I was able to isolate that and I just kind of stole it. So rather than using some less good sounding sample from Logic, I'm just gonna use the actual sound from the recording. So again, that sounds like this. Okay, so with our thump and our pop combined, this is the groove we've got. Not bad, now we just need some sizzle. So let's listen back to the original recording and see if you can hear what the sizzle is. Uh, it's going there, it's a very familiar instrument. See if you can pick out what it is. Yeah, so the sizzle on Janelle Monet's tightrope is just a tambourine. So add that sizzle to the thump and the pop and you've got a groove that really holds together. Those are the basics for the groove on this tune. There is one other thing happening. There's a sort of a conga drum or some Latin percussion happening right in the center channel that bounces out to the left and the right sometimes, a little bit inconsistent, and it's not like a vital part of the thump, pop, sizzle groove, but it is in there. I think it's a really cool groove and kind of a distinct one just because there aren't those really familiar drum sounds. You know, the bass drum isn't a kick drum like you'd hear in a drum set. It's more like a concert bass drum with an 808 mixed in to kind of add a little bit of low end to it. Um, those clacks, the pop, it's not quite a snare drum it sounds more like sticks on the rim of a drum and the sizzle isn't quite a hi-hat it's a tambourine which is actually a really common sizzle instrument to provide that role or, or enhance it you know in a lot of soul music in particular but um in this case there is no hi-hat it's just a tambourine so hopefully that framework is useful for you whenever you're listening to a tune just try to ask yourself what's the thump here what's the pop what's the sizzle you know where is that sound coming from what's providing that role in the groove or maybe does this groove not have that role you know are they doing something a little bit different so back to tightrope let's listen to Janelle's first verse. Uh, this is when the rest of the band comes in and the fullness of the groove establishes itself. That's good. Okay, so there's a bunch of other stuff happening now as well. First of all, that guitar comes in during the intro and just plays through some of the chords. This song is in F minor and does some really interesting harmonic stuff, but it starts out really simple. It's just sort of like an F minor to a B flat over F minor back to F minor. Um, and the guitar is playing that in the left channel. 
So that guitar part actually fades out after that intro. The guitar comes in a little bit more on this track, but it's not a super defining sound of it. However, the bass part is a very defining part of this song. Uh, maybe it's most defining, the most defining aspect of this groove. So the bass line comes in with Janelle and it sounds like this. It's a cool bass line partly because it that shape, the shape of the bass line, stays the same even as the chords change. And learning this on bass, which is kind of tricky, um, forgive my bass playing, I'm doing my best. Um, it's kind of like quick and you gotta kind of land in the groove really kind of lightly and move around on the neck. But um, it feels really cool to play and it fits over the harmony in a neat way and it's just a distinctive sounding bass line. So as it moves through the harmony, you'll hear it later in the song, he just always keeps playing um, that same shape. So when you put all of that together, this is what you get. really cool bounce to it, right? I think, uh, you know, considering that it's me using sampled sounds in my okay bass playing, um, it's it still grooves because it's a neat uh, and well put together groove to begin with. There's one other really cool thing that happens right as Janelle's vocals come in on the verse, and um, you probably heard it, but if you didn't, this is what I'm talking about. There's just that one backup vocal, ooh, right there where she comes in, that's just very percussive and just boom, right there on the downbeat. It sounds so good. So I like this verse partly because Janelle is mostly singing one note. She's singing an E flat. We're in the key of F minor, so that's the flat seventh, which is kind of a funky sounding note and an unresolved sounding note. And it gives her lyrics kind of this feeling that they're like floating and skipping over the groove and not quite resolving, you know? So she'll sometimes go up from that like, and you can tip on the scene, yeah, you're talking about it. Like she'll jump up a little bit, but it's mostly just right there on that E flat. Some people talk about you like they know all about you when you get down So she sits on that E flat for most of the verses really, which lets you really just focus on her rhythmic delivery because she's singing the same note over and over again. And the way she's like delivering those rhythms is really in the pocket and really grooving. It's like a huge part of the groove is driven by her vocal delivery. And you're free to kind of focus on it because she's not singing a really complicated melody. She's just hitting this one funky note. When you get elevated, they love it or they hate it. You dance up on So that verse is really harmonically sparse. It's just that bass line going underneath Janelle, who's mostly singing the E flat. And that just sort of establishes a bass line for the song to then build upon. Okay, so here comes the first chorus. We're going to listen to the whole first chorus all the way through and pay attention for what new elements are introduced. Okay, 
So three things, really. First of all, you've got the guitar, which comes back in in the left channel, sort of playing through the chords. You've got the backup vocalists who come in echoing Janelle at first and then doing these cool kind of, you know, uh, funny, affected voice sounds, kind of reflecting back what she's saying. Back what she's saying. And then you actually have the horn sneaking in there, too, a little bit more prominently in the second time through the chorus. So listen back and pay attention for all of that, for the guitar kind of over in the left, the horns are a little bit over in the right, and the backup vocals are hard to miss. Backup vocals have got a great ooh. I feel like the ability for a backup, a group of backup singers to go ooh, like perfectly just like that is a real skill. And Janelle Monáe's backup singers really have got that dialed in. Another big thing that happens during the chorus is that the harmony changes for the first time. The song has kind of just been a vamp, you know, just a repeating sequence over F, just with that one bass line playing over and over again. But then on the chorus, it introduces the next chords of the tune. And there are kind of just three of them. They're a little bit weird, but it's basically a G then a C <laughs> that one's kind of hard on a four string bass then it goes back to F and then it actually goes to D minor which is the tune's biggest harmonic left turn it just feels like whoa D minor okay here we are those are all minor, though they get a little stranger as the strings and the horns come in. And uh, so I'll get a little more into the harmony later, but that is definitely something that happens on the chorus of the song, is that Janelle, first she gets off of the E-flat and starts singing up higher, you know, singing that whether you're high or low melody. And then the bass also changes and begins changing the chords up, so there's much more of a feeling of motion. Baby, baby, From here she goes into the second verse and something interesting happens. One thing drops out. See I'm not walking on it. I trying to run around it. This ain't no acrobatics. You either follow or you lead. Yeah, I'm talking. So they've actually taken away that bass drum sound, that um sort of concert bass drum sound and it's just the 808 doing its low hit. That was actually how I was able to tell that that was in there along with the concert bass drum is during the second verse where the bass drum drops out and you can only hear that really low 808 sound. Listen for that. It's like that sub bass kick sound. You can also really hear the Latin percussion and the conga drum sort of bouncing between the left and the right and the center. Just, you know, it, it stands out in further relief. It's easier to hear without that bass drum in there. So the second verse starts pretty stripped down. The bass drum is out. It's just that 808 kick. It's pretty limited. But then actually very quickly um, on the second half of the second verse, it gets way more interesting. It starts with this super cool um, backup vocal line that introduces a bunch of new stuff. Check it out. So cool. So first of all, there's that just that little bum, 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 that the backup vocals do to set her up into that second verse. That's super cool. And then something I really love is I'm pretty sure this is Big Boy doing this is sort of singing along with the bass line panned hard left and right, which is just a really cool sounding thing. Bow. Bow, 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 bow. 
So while that's happening, the horns are also when they've muted the brass and they're doing this kind of old school jazzy uh, chord voicing in the horn arrangement that sort of is foreshadowing some of the more old fashioned jazz orchestra stuff that's happening in the background of the song. Um, believe it or not, it's sort of an unexpected thing to do, but it makes for a cool juxtaposition with the more straight ahead boogaloo groove. So let's listen to that again. Here's the second half of the second verse. Janelle is still going on her E flat, but now we've got big boys vocals along with the bass. We've got the horns playing those kind of cool old school muted brass chords. And the backup vocals aren't in during that part, but they set the whole thing up with this cool little descending line that kicks it all off. So you can start to see what I'm talking about with this tune, how there are these familiar elements that go through each section. You know, the bass line is familiar, the groove stays pretty consistent, but each section is kind of very carefully put together with all these little parts um, that makes each one distinct and also just kind of makes the tune so lively and fun to listen to. Speaking of that, actually, on this second chorus, which is about to happen, this is when the strings come in. The strings are kind of playing with, it just sounds like a studio orchestra sound, and the strings are what begin to emphasize the harmonic qualities that the song has that are fairly unusual and really kind of rich and cool. So check out that second verse, listen to it all the way through, try to focus on the strings in the background, but don't worry, we're going to pull them out and we're going to tease out what they're playing. cool. So let's pull out what the strings are playing. Here is basically what's going on in the string section behind all of that. So even if you don't know like what harmonies those are, that's just a much richer harmonic sound than that simple bass line and the simple groove that we've had so far has kind of implied. Even those sort of funk, straightforward funk triads on the guitar that we're playing at the beginning don't imply harmony that rich. So let's go through the chords there because those are the chords of the chorus of the song. And they're really cool and unusual and I think they work super well with this song. So going off of those strings, the first chord, that's the G where the bass is kind of playing that same figure but in G minor. What it really is is like a G minor 9. You can hear that 9 on top sounds kind of like this. Then we go to the C, so the bass is playing a C, but we get something much more unusual happening in the strings, and that is this tonality. That's actually a C Phrygian. If you remember us talking about modes on a Q&A, um, the closest thing to that uh, to that chord that I could kind of come up with is a C Phrygian. It's like a C minor seven with a flat nine and a sharp nine and a flat 13. Uh, not to get too technical on you, but basically it is a mode of the major scale known as Phrygian. It's an unusual sound and they really lean into it on that C chord. It's not a C dominant chord like you would expect that would lead to the F minor. It's a C Phrygian. Now I know that some of that is gonna sound like Greek 
to some of you, but basically it's an unusual sound. It's a cool sound and they really emphasize it every time the C comes around. So the other two chords on the chorus are, it goes back to F minor, but it really, they emphasize the nine again, which gives it that suspended, more lush, jazzy sound. So we've got like an F minor nine, and then it does that left turn to D minor, which goes to a D minor nine. And that means that there's an E natural in there, which is just a strange sound and sounds kind of dissonant um, when you hear it uh, in the context of the piece. You're just hearing, you know, it's an E natural where Janelle has been singing all these E flats. You really got E flat in your head. To hear an E natural in particular is a jarring sound. And it's like, whoa, what are the strings doing? The first time I heard this, it kind of tripped me up until I figured out what was going on underneath. Okay, so let's listen back to that chorus. I'm going to play along with the strings on piano just kind of a little subtly in the mix to help bring that part out because that's really cool. And it starts to highlight those harmonies that are going on under the surface that are really beautiful and kind of enrich in this tune significantly. That was that D minor. Very cool. So almost everything has been introduced um, at this point, except for one special instrument that turns up in just a second. Um, but basically all of the main elements are in there. The strings have come in for that chorus, the strings along with the horns, the horns are on their own, the backup vocals, the Latin percussion that comes in sometimes, um, the beat, you know, the various iterations of the beat, the guitar, the bass. Um, Big Boy's voice has actually already been in, even though he's about to do his verse. So we've got all the various elements, and they've been mixed in some ways, but they're about to be mixed in a whole lot more ways. With everything in, it is time for Antoine Big Boy Patton to take his verse. It's a really cool verse. He's a really good rapper, and uh, it's just a lot of fun to listen to. You gotta keep your balance or you fall into the gap. It's a challenge, but I manage because I'm cautious with the strap. Do damage to your cabbage that I thought that cannot pass. See why you don't want no friction. So when I say that Big Boy is a good rapper, that's kind of a vague statement, right? He's good in a specific way. So most people know Big Boy from Outkast. Um, he and Andre 3000 are both really technically proficient and creative rappers and producers and vocalists, and they just come up with a lot of creative ideas. And some of that is just the rhymes and the lyrics that he comes up with. There's some cool lyrics in this verse as well. But what he's doing here at the beginning is neat because it's setting up what he's about to do. So he starts with this rhythm that's just ba da da And you know, that's the same rhythm as the bass line. Right? And remember, he already sang along with that. So he's going along with the bass at first. That's really distinct. And that's the groove. And he does that rhythm several times in a row to kind of establish a bass line. You know, you gotta keep your balance or you'll fall into the gap. And he builds all of his initial lyrics around that rhythm. Gotta keep your balance or you fall into the gap. It's a challenge, but I manage because I'm cautious with the strap. Do damage to your cabbage that I thought that cannot pass. So what he's doing there is he's setting you up and kind of getting you used to hearing this one cadence from him. So then when he says like the back of a matchbook on the very next verse, he pulls the rug out from under you and you go over the bar line into the next bar and then he completely changes things up. So it's a really smart way of taking what's a pretty short solo and you can kind of almost think of it like, you know, a solo. It's, it's like when the saxophone plays a solo in the middle of a song or the guitar and what he's doing is he's opening his phrase with this one idea and then totally flipping it halfway through to throw you off and make everything much more exciting so now listen to that i'll let you you know hear that part so here's the first part of it going into the second part and how he flips up the second half of his verse Gotta keep your balance or you fall into the gap. It's a challenge, but I manage because I'm cautious with the strap. Do 
damage to your cabbage that I thought that cannot pass. See why you don't want no friction like the back of a matchbook. That if that's will fold you and your MacBook. Close shows, shut you down before we go go backwards. Act up and whether we high or low, we gonna get back up like the Dow. Man, it's so well put together. Um, I think a lot of people have asked me what makes a great solo. And this is something I want to talk about more at length. Um, be it an instrumental solo, a rap solo, a vocal solo, whatever. Um, anything that's a sort of a short, self-contained interlude in the middle of a larger recording featuring a different voice is kind of how I think of it. And in this case, this is such a well-constructed solo because it's really short. It's just one time through the verse, but he does so much with it. And it's this little journey. And it's because he establishes that theme and then he flips it up and changes it. So the second half you know, of his phrase is just all mixed up and really cool. See why you don't want no reason like the back of a matchbook that if that's will fold you and your MacBook close shows such a So a couple of things actually happened there too. Just on that one bar right where he says like the back of a matchbook, a couple of cool things happen to really emphasize the flip. One of them is that we get our final new instrument, the one I alluded to earlier, um, the most unexpected and really cool instrument. And that is the ukulele, which pops in suddenly to do that G minor nine to that C Phrygian, you know, that D flat major major seven over C and um, just sort of out of nowhere there's a ukulele strumming in the left and right channels. They also do a clever thing where the thump, that sort of bass drum, just drops out. So right when he changes up the rhythm and the kind of floor drops out from under you because you're so used to that pattern he's been doing, the thump in the groove that you're really used to because it's been going for the entire song suddenly just drops out and it just gives you this sense of almost like, you know, when you're riding a, a roller coaster and you get to the very top and then suddenly just for a minute gravity goes away. That's sort of what it feels like. It's kind of like this. And then, so take a listen to the actual recording and pay attention for that too. Both the ukulele entering in the left and the right, and then also that downbeat just dropping out to give you a sense of liftoff or just sort of of losing the bottom for just a second. Can I pass? See why you don't want no reason like the back of a matchbook that if that's will fold you and your MacBook close shows such a down. It's a cool effect, right? The ukulele kind of provides this much higher frequency bounce where the thump drops out. So it's like the bottom drops and you're also lifted up by the ukulele at the same time. This really unexpected texture comes in. Um, I love of that way to introduce the ukulele and just whoever had the idea to use a ukulele on this track in the first place it's a perfect sound and it makes the song sound so cool so there's a really clever and great rhyme at the end of big boy's verse that i'm going to leave out just because this show is family friendly and it's a minor curse word and hey whatever um that's just how i'm going to do it though it is a really good verse if you want to look up the lyrics um i think the rhyme he does there is super clever so let's get into janelle's third verse which is a heck of a good verse So for starters, I love that lyric. I tip on alligators and little rattlesnakers, but I'm another flavor, something like a Terminator. It's got a really smooth and round rhyme to it, you know, and it just, she delivers it so well that it just, like I was saying, the rhythmic pulse of the song is so defined by her vocals and she does such a good job with it. Also, that line about Terminator kind of calls back to that Metropolis lore that's going on in the subtext of this really groovy song um, about, you know, what people think of you. It is tying in with the story of Cindy Mayweather and, you know, Metropolis. So in addition to those cool lyrics, there's something else really neat in this first half of the verse that I like, and that's this interplay that's going on between the vocals and the horns. It's basically like the, hor the vocals will go, bop, and then the horns will go, so they're written to bounce off of one another. And it's just a cool example of using, you know, they've got the backup vocals over here and the horns over here, but then for one second, you know, they're acting like one unit. So listen back to that part of the verse and really pay attention for that. When the vocals go, bop, then listen for the horns going, bop. 
and kind of bouncing right off of them. So after that comes my favorite lyric from this whole song that Janelle delivers so perfectly. Here it is. Some calling me a sinner, some calling me a winner. I'm calling you to dinner and you know exactly what I mean. Yeah, I'm talking about you. You can rock or you can leave. Watch me tip without you. No, no, no. Man, if I ever needed to make an argument for the importance of vocal delivery, you could take a lyric that's already good. Some calling me a sinner, some calling me a winner. I'm calling you to dinner. Hey, you know exactly what I mean. Okay, that's cool. But it's all down to the way that Janelle delivers that sinner. She like puts that little funny, weird sort of shake at the end. Um, it's so good. And I just, it just kills me how well she, she delivers that. Some calling me a sinner, some calling me a winner. So we're coming up on the third chorus, which actually functions as a breakdown at first, but it also really allows the strings to come up, and they play that line that we've already kind of outlined, but you can hear it super well going on underneath her, and it's outlining those sort of, you know, bigger minor nine chords, and that that Phrygian, you know, D-flat major seven over C kind of Phrygian sound um, that that is so remarkable and interesting. So she's singing, and she kind of extends the melody that she's singing over the chorus, while the strings really emphasize that. So that was the third chorus. If you were listening carefully to that, you probably noticed some things that were missing. So the bass has dropped out. That's easy to hear. But there are a couple other things from the groove, and hopefully you've been, you know, you've learned to pay attention to the groove enough to notice what was missing. A couple other things were missing. Those two things were the bass drum again. So we're back to just that low 808 hit. And also the pop is gone entirely. That kind of clacking drumstick sound has been removed from the groove. So suddenly you've just got the 808 and the tambourine going um, just together. And then in terms of harmony the guitar is actually back in the left channel so you can hear the guitar kind of playing over there and then the strings are doing their thing but they're much kind of easier to hear or they've been brought up in the mix so the strings are much more um, apparent in the mix in addition to Janelle's singing So by bringing so much out and changing the vibe and making it kind of a breakdown, that third chorus provides a sort of a reset for the song that then sets up a slightly different groove for the for the part right after that chorus, um, where she does some back and forth with the backup vocalist and then a really cool back and forth with the horns. But before we get into that, um, it's important to just kind of note how the groove has changed and why. So check out what's happening. Um, basically, well, let's listen to the setup to this section after the third chorus and try to pay attention to the bass and listen to what the bass is doing. So I love that section, just the kind of call and response between Janelle. You can't get too high. You can't get too high. These weird backup vocals pan to the left and right. Like, that's cool. And in the background, the bass has actually switched it up from that to something that lines up directly with the thump. So basically, the bass has aligned itself with the thump um, in the groove wars. And now the thump is much more powerful because the bass is in there, too. The bass is playing a line that sounds like this. (laughs) 
So if you remember what the bass drum is playing on this groove, it's that same boom, 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 ba-boom, boom, boom, ba-boom. So that puts the two of them in line. If you put the whole groove together, it sounds like this. So listen for that in the actual recording, pay attention to the bass and how it's lining up with the thump in the groove to kind of really emphasize that bouncy thump that's at the bottom of the groove. It's cool how big of a difference that makes just by taking the bass and lining it up with the thump. You know, the thump and the pop and the sizzle, they're all in the same place. But um, by putting the bass in line with the thump, it just kind of changes the balance and the groove a lot and gives you a different feel for this section. It's yet another example of how this song sort of subtly arranges and rearranges and just tweaks one little thing. But then, you know, uh, subconsciously you just hear it differently and you groove a little bit differently and the song feels different. So Janella's done her back and forth with her backup vocals and now she needs to call in the horns. And in case there was any question that she is one of the heirs apparent to James Brown, this is how Janelle Monet counts in the horns in tightrope. Okay, so I know I said during my episode about Stevie Wonder's I Wish that if I could have my horn sections get counted in, in any way, it would be Stevie and the rest of the band shouting out, and I believe that's Japanese, counting us in. But I might amend that because I would also happily take Janelle Monet channeling James Brown to give me that one, two, three, um, just so that I can know it's really, really time to come in hot. And the horns do come in hot. They come in with this very flighty, sort of unusual horn line uh, that I dig anyway. So check that out. And then Janelle shuts everyone up so the horns can do a more lush thing on the harmony of the chorus. I don't know what to do with that. The fact that Janelle Monet can say, we call that classy brass and not sound like a total cornball is a, uh, a testament to how cool she is because not all of us can pull that line off. Also, I hope that if Janelle Monet's horn section ever goes and plays with other people, they call themselves the funkiest horns in Metropolis, because that's a pretty good name for a working horn section. So believe it or not, against type, I'm not actually going to spend a lot of time breaking down that horn solely or showing, you know, all the different notes in it. Um, it's going through that same general horn uh, chord progression of the G minor 9 to the C Phrygian, you know, C minor 7, flat 9, flat 13, to the uh, F minor 9, to the D minor 9. You know, they're, they're outlining those, those same harmonies, those unusual sort of rich... Uh, rich chords that are going on and it's cool but I want to get into the outro and uh, the outro kind of combines everything else um, that was happening before in the song in a really effective way that also introduces a couple of new sounds and textures to the mix so here's the outro to Tightrope So at the beginning of this outro, you're actually probably noticing what's missing because, you know, we've taken this beat, this groove apart a bunch of times and shown the different elements, and a couple of them are completely absent here. Um, actually, two, two major ones. The thump is missing and the sizzle is missing. Here, listen again. It's actually just the pop, that clacking sound, and the ukulele going in the left and right, and uh, the vocals, but that's actually it. Gotta keep, keep 
a really different feel without a thump in there. There's no bottom end, so suddenly everything just feels very elevated and floating. I would say the ukuleles are kind of providing the same um, the same general function as the sizzle. They're like dividing up the beat a little bit more, and that pop, the clack, is sort of keeping the um, keeping the beat going. Then also there's that turntable that's you know got a got a record I'm assuming or a, a digital sample of Janelle's voice that's kind of scratching in the left and right channels, bouncing around. That's also subdividing the beat. So you're not losing the beat exactly. It's just that that bottom end thump and the tambourine that we've really gotten pretty used to on this groove have completely dropped out. So they reintroduce those elements slowly over the next few bars. The bass kind of comes back into, then the strings, then the horns, kind of everything. So listen to that and just pay attention for the thump coming back in, the bass coming back in, you know, um, Big Boy's voice kind of comes in. They establish all, they reintroduce all of the elements on top with that now, that kind of record scratching going on um, in the left and right channels and the ukulele is going too. So kind of everything is brought back together into one big, uh, one big finale. So in addition to all that clever layering that sort of reintroduces all of these elements that we've heard over the course of the song and then finally has them all kind of land on the downbeat together, there's a couple other funny things going on. First of all, Janelle is just singing a couple of easy to miss uh, lyrics that are really funny and strange. Um, the first one is she's just singing, as I play the ukulele, just like a little lady. Listen for that. So in the background, kind of drenched in reverb, she's singing the words happy birthday along with the melody that the strings have been playing this whole time, the one we outlined earlier. It's beautiful and, and eerie and kind of really cool. Um, check it out. I'll play along with it so you can hear it. But listen for her singing happy birthday. And from there they fade out. It's a beautiful and unexpected way to bring together a song that spent so much time layering in different parts and introducing different ideas and different harmonies and textures and then removing some to emphasize others. And then finally at the end, they kind of just bring everything together in that way that so many great songs do to kind of give you this send off while at the same time introducing these new melodic and lyrical ideas from Janelle Monet that kind of make things have a little bit of a question mark. You know, it's like the end question mark. And I like that. It ties things back to the Arch Android, the album. It's kind of a reintroduction to the album, which is a really stylistically varied album. So by adding these new textures and, and ideas to the very end of the song, it sort of gets you into a mental headspace that prepares you to go back into the world of the Arch Android from the world of Tightrope. Because remember, I mean, the next song after Tightrope, it sounds like this. It's an ending that actually kind of underlines this beautiful fluidity that's at the core of Janelle Monet's sound and her style and her whole kind of essence as a performer. So she spent most of Tightrope in this James Brown mode, you know, channeling this very masculine energy. She, If you've seen the video for this song, which you really should, it's great. She's wearing this suit and has a kind of a whole James Brown vibe going on. And um, so she's been in that mode for most of the song. But then here at the end, suddenly she's singing this kind of high and light happy birthday that's almost kind of reminiscent of Marilyn Monroe. Meanwhile, she's singing 
about how she plays the ukulele just like a little lady. And there's a more feminine energy in general to this ending as we're kind of eased out of this song and into the next song on the album. You know, Janelle Monae is the heir apparent to James Brown, but she's also the heir apparent to Prince and to Sharon Jones and Tina Turner and a whole bunch of other singers and rappers and performers that she manages to channel into something distinct. So then you get an album like The Arch Android, which is able to just seamlessly go from this. Some will pull the gun because they want to be soft. Snatching up your life into the blink of an eye. And if you see your corner on the street walking by, keep it running from your life. To this. To something like this. Take me six feet under while your roses died. I came alive. To something like this. all while fluidly moving between so many different sounds and styles. And the unmistakable conclusion of the whole thing is that no matter what Janelle Monet is wearing or how she's presenting or what style she's doing, she always remains unmistakably herself. And that, along with the killer grooves and the creative beats and the interesting arrangements, is why I love her music as much as I do. do it for my analysis of Janelle Monet's Tightrope, a killer tune from a killer album, The Arch Android, that man, you really gotta go listen to that whole album. Also watch the video for Tightrope and watch the video for Cold War. That song totally kills and the video is amazing. Thanks to everyone who's been spreading the word. Thanks to my Patreon backers, some of whose names you can find in the show notes. Find out more at patreon.com strongsongs and shoot me an email with questions or feedback to strongsongspodcast at gmail.com. As I mentioned at the top, we're doing something a little bit different at the end. If you stick around after me talking, you will hear an outro soloist. This episode's outro soloist is none other than BJ Cord, the trumpet player who laid down some killer trumpet parts for the Strong Songs theme music. The idea is that every episode of Strong Songs will end with a different outro soloist. So look forward to that, and I'll see you in two weeks with yet another Strong Song. Strong Song.